Welcome to the Braille Music and Beyond podcast, where blind musicians and those who support them come together to share resources, tips, and discussion. Our goal is to create more inclusive and empowering music learning opportunities for blind students by collaborating and exploring issues impacting their education in music classrooms. everyone, it's Katie. Real quick before we get into today's episode, I wanted to drop a note of thanks to anyone who has shared or subscribed or told a friend about the podcast. Getting these conversations more widely spread out and dispersed is the real goal of this podcast. So thank you so much for anyone who has done any of those things to help the podcast get off the ground. It's been really exciting to watch the analytics and so where people are listening in from and just how many people are listening in. We did get over a hundred listens recently as I record this intro about midway through August. So I am looking forward to having more conversations and hopefully seeing more people come into the fold. And I am just so thankful that you all are along for the ride. So enough of me yammering. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our speaker today, and then we will get right into it. Chantelle Griffiths is a New Zealander and a Braille instructor. She is a musician, and she talks about a very interesting program called the Cadence Program or the Cadence Ensemble. Um, It's also formerly known as the Adult Braille Learning Program, but this ensemble, spelled C-K-A-D-E-N-S-E, is really unique and I am not familiar with any other program worldwide that does what this group of braille learners and musicians is doing. And I think it's a conversation that we need to hear about and it's something that other um, braille programs and instructional um, programs can really learn from and try to implement. It sounds to me and we discussed this in the interview, that it's a really nice model for other people to follow and adult Braille learners, especially musicians, who in a sense need to relearn and find new ways of engaging with others in music really don't get discussed enough. So without further ado, I will let you hear from Chantel. Hi, Chantel. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to hear what you have to tell us today. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. It's an <laughs> absolute pleasure to be here. Sure. Can you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and sort of how you came to music, any instruments that you play, um, and just kind of what your musical interests are? Wow, that's a really big question. <laughs> um, so my, uh, my interest in music has been since childhood. I have been um, blind since birth um, with a congenital, obviously a congenital eye condition um, called optic nerve hyperplasia, but I was always interested in particularly uh, the arrangement of music and songs. So mm. I was always very focused on um, how different pieces and songs were put together. Uh, it, it was discovered when I was about four or five that I had absolute pitch. Um, and so that was a skill that, that really um, helped me to understand, I guess, what I was hearing and why why I was able to do things in a way 
that other people um, thought was was interesting or a little bit unusual. Um, and so in terms of what I do musically, uh, I play in a couple of sort of informal ensembles, um, help, help main, mainly just with friends, just playing and singing. Um, most of what I do is singing, but I do play the piano and also the flute, but I'm an instrument dabbler too, so I'm one of those people who just likes to play with all sorts of different types of instruments um, and to, to see how we go. I really enjoy connecting with friends, um, so a lot of what I do is kind of fairly informal, and part of what I um, part of what I do um, and is to teach braille and recently I've embarked on a or I embarked on a pilot project uh, for teaching um, braille music to adults as well so um, I've had experience teaching music to adults and children I volunteer at a music school for blind school age students here in New Zealand once a month uh, and that really helps me to hone my skills not only in the music music itself but in, in braille and braille teaching that's awesome can you tell us a bit more about that program it sounds really unique and i'm not aware of anything else like it in the world really so um any more information on that would be really interesting to hear about sure absolutely so when i was teaching braille at uh, our primary uh, blindness organization here in new zealand I was approached by two of my Braille learners who were currently learning contracted Braille. And they heard through the grapevine that I was a musician and that I knew how to read Braille music. Now for them, their aim was to connect their existing musical knowledge, theoretical knowledge, that sort of thing, with this new tactile medium that they were learning, which was Braille, as a because they had recently lost their vision and they both said to me they had been professional musicians in their own right and they had both said to me I now can't read musical scores anymore so I'm feeling disconnected from this portion of my my music in fact I had a couple of people say to me that they hadn't picked up their instruments at all since losing their sight because they weren't then sure of how then to do music anymore it was a, it's one thing to be able to play your instrument without sight but how then do I learn new music how do I then translate what I already know into something that I can read and understand so for example I had experiences uh, people telling me of experiences such as I haven't been able to play a technical piece that involves a lot of sort of technicality on my instrument since you know for for more than 10 years and I would like to be able to explore that again and others said to me things like well I don't know how I could ever sing or play in an ensemble anymore because I now can't walk into a room and connect with other musicians on a musical level without first hearing the piece so how are we going to do that so as a result of all these inquiries and questions uh, I was asked can you please teach us how to read brown music and at the time I thought well I'm not sure but let's give, let's give it a try because I wasn't aware of any other programs uh, as, you, as you said earlier I wasn't aware of any other programs similar to this so we developed a pilot uh, which was very much trial and error so because these mus- musicians already had 
a very solid foundation in musical understanding, uh, musical knowledge, having played professionally for a long time. I didn't need to teach them the actual concepts of music itself. Uh, but what I did need was to find a way to bridge the gap and make that connection between that musical, theoretical, print score knowledge into Braille. And that was really what the program was about. Yeah. So I'm curious, what has their experience been like? Have they talked about feeling more connected to the music when they've had that Braille knowledge and the ability to read some Braille music, um, especially for like the technical passages or playing in an ensemble, things of that nature? It's, it, was, it was actually quite moving for me emotionally to see the transformation. As soon as, for example, we designed some very basic rhythmic patterns just to sort of get the get the feeling of the notes under their fingers that that was completely different feel from the literary context and so it was basically well the first step was to teach the musical context in fact that literary braille that they were learning is is um, interpreted differently in a musical context so that was a big part of the learning in the first little while but it was absolutely phenomenal how quickly they picked that up so as soon as I put a musical passage a rhythmic passage under their fingers and explained what the different dots mean they went from not knowing anything about how to read braille music rhythm to reading fairly simple uh two, two or four bar passages within a matter of minutes it was I was absolutely astounded and then from there the transition was once we once we began to establish what rhythm felt like what the notes felt like uh, and and, correl- and correlating the two, we began to explore things like how can we use this in a practical context, and that was done very quickly with the connection to singing, because my experience has always been that the one one really practical way to teach um, music in a practical context is to experience it as you're feeling it as you're reading it Mm -hmm. with your hands, as it's under your fingers. And so the only way that I could think of to do that quickly was through singing. And this was quite revolutionary, I would say, for these particular learners because some of them had never used their musical skill to sing because they had been musicians. They had been playing instruments uh, such as like stringed instruments or woodwind instruments, and they hadn't necessarily used it in a vocal context. But uh, I think it was in this third or fourth lesson we had together uh by the end of the lesson they were able to sing uh, a very simple piece with me in four-part harmony which they've never been able to do before that is so cool and i'm sure you spoke to the emotional aspect of it for you i'm sure that it was um moving for them as well to regain that that connection and those skills absolutely and it was it was it gave them not only that reconnection to, to music which was which was quite emotional for for everyone concerned but it also that they expressed to me that it opened up opportunities for them to then explore the different aspects of the music such as can I now sing in an ensemble uh you know singing simple passages with with people that I know and trust can I then extend this knowledge to maybe learning a simple piece on my instrument now how can I then take that knowledge and put it into my practical context in my instrument and then of course that created that the sense of community within the group and that developed very very quickly so 
the 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 friendships and social connections were exponential as a result of being able to connect not only on a friendship level but on a music level so it just absolutely transformed the way that that they connected with their music but also with each other yeah yeah i i of course have experience with a quite different braille music program but definitely that connection piece to people and other musicians is so important so i'm really glad to hear that we'll be right back i want to talk about some maybe unique challenges that they might face learning as advantageously blind or later blind individuals um, you know, of course, it sounds like they're they're print music readers and they're print reading musicians, and now they've been put into this position where they have to relearn how to read, essentially. Um, so typically when we talk Braille music, we're thinking of younger children that are blind and are already reading Braille or starting to read Braille. Can you speak to maybe some of the differences that you see in terms of these being already music literate Um folks that are learning braille rather than the other way around where there's maybe some braille literacy as a foundation in their learning music concepts so one of the one of well there's a few that kind of jump to mind uh one of them is the fact that as you mentioned they are already music literate but they're also english literate or whatever language they speak so what i'm doing what the the way i kind of connect in in my head is that we are now providing a a means for them to connect with what they already know in a different way in a tactile Mm -hmm. context so that i think is a big adjustment in and of itself just being aware that okay this i guess because for some people it can be quite confronting having this sense of I now can't do this in a way that I used to be able to do this I can't mm-hmm. read in the same way I can't do music in the same way how then do I mentally adjust and emotionally adjust to this new way of connecting with uh, literacy in general music literacy braille literacy how do I adjust to that then on top of that you've got the added challenge of I have never used my hands in this way before. And so the tactile sensitivity comes in. The fact that, okay, I I not only need to be able to learn how to interpret these dots and these characters and these shapes in a way that is meaningful to me, but I also need to be able to translate that into everyday concepts. So I need to use my sense of touch in a different way. And so often there's this barrier that says, I can't, my my hands are not sensitive enough to learn this. How can I possibly learn how to translate these tiny, tiny little dots that I can't really even differentiate at this point into something meaningful that I can then use? So I think those are the two main barriers. Um, Some, I I guess some, another, another difference is that when they come into this space, there is a lot of asking why about the code itself. So there might be why is why when you get up to a certain point does the configuration of the characters change? So whereas perhaps learning with younger learners, you might not experience that. They just kind of go with what you what you tell them. But there's a lot of questioning of code-based concepts as well. So for me, what I try and get away from is although well, there's two separations for me, there's code versus context. So what I try and get away from is this emphasis on learning the code as in 
this is what a, a quarter note might feel like. Uh, we call them crotchets over here. Or something like that versus like a literary character. So we get away from the code and come more into the context. And it's it's that can also be a little bit of a challenge. But I was very surprised to find how quickly uh, my learners in the program rose to that challenge. So for example, when, when a score was introduced that had a braille music line versus a literary line, Initially, it took a little bit of, oh, am I, like, I mean, it was more about identifying, am I feeling the literary braille line, the, the lyrics, or am I feeling the music? Once that was established, and once there were techniques that were developed to actually um, di differentiate between the two lines, once that was said, then it was just a matter of making sure you knew which context you were in, and then uh, being able to read the notes so then the code was less of an issue and it became about the context and so I always try and emphasize that aspect of it that it's about um, you know, learning to explore tactile in a way that is uh, is meaningful um, in, in a general context then translating that into a braille context and then making sure that we don't focus so much on the code that we forget about the context that makes a lot of sense and I see that a lot with younger learners that just exactly the inverse of that. They're so focused on the literary context um, and they can't always make that switch. So especially if they're so used to using their ear for music, they can't always make the leap pretty readily into that music context within the Braille. So, And it was actually fascinating because, because uh, some of the the learners that I was working with had been using their ears more but others had never really used their ears and had relied completely on a, a print score or at least uh, more, relied much more on a print score in order to learn the music not necessarily to fit it into a context uh, you know in, in a larger piece but to learn the music itself so that was quite quite interesting for me bringing those two groups together and exploring the differences between well how might I now use this ability to learn by ear in this context and how then do I couple that join that connect that with this braille reading con context what does it mean when I feel a note how do I then translate that into a practical application and so for me that was that was quite it was a lot of fun to explore how because for me I had always I'd, I'd been uh, learning by ear uh, a lot when I was a child until I um, began to learn brown music, which I had first exposure to it when I was eight or nine, but I didn't actually officially start learning it properly until I was in my, until I was maybe 14 or 15. And so for me, it was, it was just a completely different experience and a, and a revolutionary one, being able to then read what I was hearing. And that was what I understood the experience to be when when they were communicating with me and demonstrating their skills with, um you know with within the program itself yeah that makes a lot of sense it's just so fascinating to kind of compare this kind of flip side situation to the more I think the the situation that gets talked about more with like the younger learners that don't have this music knowledge already um but I'm sure too there's some advantages that that gives these learners where they already come in being music literate and having this ability to uh, logically think their way through different contexts that maybe perhaps a child would struggle a bit more just because of developmentally they're not there yet. Can you speak to more of those advantages that you think that they might have, um, especially like theory knowledge or 
maybe that having had that music school or performance background? I think I think the theory and the the, the, the firm foundation of musical application made it a lot easier to, for them to understand the symbols that they were then feeling. Mm-hmm. What was what was kind of uh, was interesting to me was the difference that they experienced when comparing things like the the, the simplicity of brown music when it comes to octaves. So the concept of using octave marks uh, to differentiate which notes to play was very new to them, uh, and that that took a little bit of, of time to get around. But once they learnt it, the, the code was what helped that that to click into place for them. So once they learnt the different signs, it was very, it was a lot easier for them, I think, to apply that in a practical context. Um, once they learnt that they didn't have to count lines and spaces anymore or deal with ledger lines or clefts. And so that, that to them made it easier, um, in my understanding, to then translate into a practical context, which is what we wanted to do as quickly as possible. We wanted to make it as experiential as possible to really cement what they were learning. So I think having that that prior knowledge of not only the instruments, but their own musical and theoretical understanding made it easier to stop thinking about that and start switching into a practical, a practical kind of context as well. That's that's amazing. I love that. Um, I have one last question for you. It sounds like from all you've said so far that you find working in this program and working with these musicians and helping them find or reestablish a new connection to music after losing their sight pretty rewarding. Um, what are some of the takeaways that you have drawn from your work in this program? Ooh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, th- I think the one that surprised me that shouldn't have surprised me was the the connections that were forged as a result of doing this doing this program. So the the takeaway was just how important that kind of peer support is, uh, no matter what context. So so it's especially in an, in this context they had not really interacted a lot the participants hadn't really interacted a lot with each other until they did this program so that really created a very solid connection a solid friendship and the ability to kind of really build something quite quite unique in terms of an ensemble that they have created through their shared uh wanting to to learn the music um it 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 is also amazing to me how fundamental that musical participation was in their lives. I mean, I know for myself, music has always been a very fundamental part of of who I am and what I do in my creative process. And discovering just how disconnected people feel from that aspect of their lives or or, or a lot of aspects of their lives uh, when they they lose their vision uh, was was quite startling for me and so being able to reconnect that part of them to kind of say well look I'm not I'm, I going from the the perspective of I was a musician to I still am a musician and not only that but I am a musician who is able to to participate confidently and whatever I want to participate in was was just incredible the, because I hadn't thought about it in that context until they came to me my my first thought was yeah sure I, of course I can teach you how to how to read read the braille music as best I can but I didn't realize that all these other things would would come out from that for example 
the opportunities that open up as a result of this social recreational opportunities we have a braille music retreat for adults that happens every two years um and this is only a recent thing it's only begun over the past maybe five or six years we we have them every two years and this was previously seen as something that only very experienced braille music readers could take part in however two of the learners at the beginning of this year's retreat um we're able to fully participate in the the program we i think we did a total of what we learned a total of 11 to 12 pieces uh we were able to record those in a studio in a studio well in a recording setting um 10 of those pieces towards the end and one participant was also able to learn via braille music a violin part to one of those pieces and play that um while the rest of the the choir was singing so they were able to use that in a really practical context in in a context that was very meaningful for them and very meaningful for us also so uh to my knowledge um i don't i don't think that would have even been possible if we hadn't been able to to do a program like this because uh even though they would have been absolutely 100 capable of joining in from a musical point of view keeping up with where everyone was at you know finding rehearsal marks or uh, starting from a particular part in the piece wouldn't have been possible without the addition of that brown music learning and so they felt like they were on an equal footing with everyone else even though they were relatively new one of the participants had only just begun to learn contracted braille so wasn't able to read the lyrics but was able to get enough information from the music to um to be able to keep up so just That's just really the opportunities that have, have become available to them i think is a really important part of it as well yeah it sounds incredibly empowering for the instructors and especially the participants. Thanks so much for telling us about it. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here and to share some of these experiences. Yeah, and it, it sounds too like this is such a cool and unique model. And um, as we were chatting before, um, uh, musicians that lose their sight don't get much attention in Braille music talk and circles. And so uh, I really hope that by drawing more attention to this, we can promote it and hopefully other places and localities will um, jump on board and see that there's a need here. It sounds like it could really I help some so. other people. Oh, I, th- I think so. I think it's that make, making sure that people are still connected with what they love. And for musicians, obviously, that, that is a love of music. So making sure that people can connect with that in as many different ways as possible is, is so, so important for for health and well-being, uh, and also creativity, opportunity, all those kinds of things. So yeah, hopefully it can generate more discussion and we can explore more in this area. Definitely. Braille Music and Beyond is hosted and produced by me, Katie Shelton. Our intro music is Happy Days by Simon Fulwer. The outro music you are hearing now is called Jump Jive by All Good Folks. Unless otherwise specified, all music for the show is obtained under a Creative Commons license at Upbeat.io. You can visit them for your own stock music. Want to continue the conversation between episodes? 
Find us on Facebook. Join our private Facebook group by searching for Braille Music and Beyond or by using the link found in the description. Please make sure to fill out all fields in the membership questions so that I can approve your request. Catch you next time.